We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. A fairly pleasant episode, considering uh, what could have been today's episode had uh, Sunday's game gone a little bit differently. Before we get into all that um, and talk about the week that was, I will, of course, introduce um, someone who I'm going to have to Man, I'm going to have to say some nice things about later during our prediction section, which I'm not looking forward to. So I'll just get out the nice things out of the way now. My my better half in podcast land, Jeremy Cohen. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, John. I'm very eager to hear what these the glowing things are that I are owed to me. Um, I'm 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 just I'm just mad at myself. That's all. I I had a chance to take this week, and I chose. Oh. Yes, I meant to say the other thing. I said that they were going to go three and one this week, and uh, I, 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 it was like dyslexia. I just mixed it up. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's like how I the previous week, you know, I did the same thing. Yes, it's it was on me. It wasn't that you did well; it was that I did no. poorly. So, <laughs> um, so we we've done uh, so many of these episodes this season at at, at this point, and um. So many of them, as you often reference to, uh, are episodes that are like would have been happy episodes. And then the week ends in some shitty way. And then we have to get on here and it's like doom and gloom and like we're miserable and like the sky is falling on the whole thing. And then we got to this week, which I guess let's start here Um, up until uh, I guess I don't know. We want to say one o'clock today to three thirty today, whether you're you're. You want to wait until after the win or before the game starts up until this game, the Sunday's game. I would argue this was the worst week of the season for the Knicks. Let's start there. Was this the worst? What? Six day stretch for the Knicks this season. It's tough to say. There've been some really, really tough six day stretches this year. Um, There have. I don't know. I don't, you know, every game gets more important as time goes on because the Knicks find themselves in whatever predicament they're in. When it was earlier, it was like, okay, well, at least the Knicks are still in the play-in territory. And now it's like, okay, well, at least the Knicks are statistically tied with 
the wizards for the 10th seed. And, you know, you could say whatever you want. It That was kind of the reason why last week I opened by saying to savor a week of undefeated and Cam Reddish and all of that, because you get weeks like this one. You're a wise man, Jeremy. I it, it's only it only when it comes to basketball some of the time where that can be said about me. But that's the thing. It's it's hard to deal with this because we talked about the stretch of games that the Knicks had, right? It was a yeah. 16 game stretch after the Celtics game, uh, culminating with, with the Pelicans game, not including this Clippers game, because at the time, Paul George was healthy and they seemed like a better team than they are. And we said, you know, okay, if the Knicks go 10 and six in that stretch, that they will be a 500 team. And John, they didn't go 10 and six. They went nine and seven. Uh, they, so just for reference real quick, they were, uh, the Celtics game you're referencing. I'm pretty sure the Celtics game you're referencing was the one December 18th. It was a lot um, after the Rockets game. Yes. After the Rockets game. So it was, it was starting with that, the, the, the game after that, which was a game against Detroit. So they exited that Boston game, 13 and 17, four games below 500. And uh, they sit there today at 20. Three and twenty-four. Am I? Oh, yeah. Am I? Well, but, I have but it? before today because we'd ended it with the Pelicans at the time. It was they were twenty-two yeah. and twenty-four. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, you're right. So they, I mean, yeah. Before this, they went nine and seven, and now they're ten and seven since then. Um. So your your point is basically that they did not meet expectations. Well. No, I would say they didn't. You know, again, it's but they were one game away from media. I hear it. And I'm I'm not trying. Listen, but here's the thing, right? I'll play devil's advocate. Of course, of course. It's more so, you know, it's not like, oh, I can't believe they failed. They didn't get to 500 after that stretch. But it also is like, well, that's the easiest stretch you're going to have for the entire season. And you needed to kind of run up the score. And I get it. You know, their COVID obviously was a, a factor for at least two of the games with Randall, for example, do they go in the opposite direction? Sure. Are we talking about a team that's instead 11 and five in that span? And then if they're 23 and 24, then, you know, you add two, it's 25, they're 25 and 22. And we're talking about a different team. We could play that game as long as we want. We could, it doesn't matter We're we are where we are. And the reason why I'm concerned about it entering today, not being 500 is because of how difficult the road gets from now until the trade deadline and then beyond. And, and we're going to get sure we will, we'll talk about that, but that is why it's like it, it's great that they finished above 500 against those teams in that stretch that we talked about being easier. You just can't help, but feel like there are these games that slipped away. And I mean, throughout the entire season, you could say that really, but the whole point is like, you know, if, the, if a couple games go this way, maybe that's the difference. And in the end, Maybe it's not, you know, maybe with the, the stretch of games coming up, maybe these games don't really have a major consequence. Um, but it's just you wanted to win a little bit more of the stretch of games and the Knicks just couldn't get it done. I think the game. I, I wonder, I thought this today and I think I said it. Um, I think I said it to start the post game. So apologize if you listen to the post game and you already heard this point. I, I don't want to I don't like to double up, but I do think it's, it's worth mentioning if that Burke shot goes in at the end of the Pelicans game, or if they just don't fall flat out. Sorry, not the Pelicans game. Uh, the, the Wolves, Wolves game. game. I'm getting my games confused. Uh, at the end of the Wolves game, or uh, they don't 
call or if uh, a foul isn't called and uh, Randall makes the kick out to three for Burks and, and that shot counts instead of not counting, or if they just make any number of or one of any number of like probably half a dozen plays that would have turned that game in a different direction. And they won that again, could have, should have, would have, and they won that Wolves game. And we're talking about that stretch in a way where, as you referenced, they actually did go um, instead of nine and what was it? instead of nine and seven, they would have went 10 and six, right? That would have been the mm-hmm. that would have been the difference. And now they won this game, and they, and we were, okay, eleven and and they're, they're a game over five hundred. And instead of being tied with the Wizards, but technically in eleventh uh, place because the Wizards own the tiebreaker, instead they are um, sitting with a tie for uh, with Toronto for eighth place. And by the way, Toronto, I checked before they were losing by like twenty something points at home um, to the Blazers. So like one game, I guess my point is this. One game shouldn't probably shouldn't characterize like as we are almost 50 games into a season. Like, do we feel good about the season or do we not feel good about the season? Like one game shouldn't have that kind of impact. And yet you could kind of talk yourself into it at the same time. Like, I think the reason this week was the most disheartening week of the season for me, at least, is because even though they've had stretches where they've lost more games, I mean, they this team lost seven out of eight games at one point. like. That stretch started with the Brooklyn game and the Bulls game where they played really well and they lost close games, right? Then there was the Denver debacle, which you witnessed firsthand. Um, Then they had a nice win in San Antonio. (laughs) Um, uh, Terrible loss in Indiana, tough loss, Toronto, and then Milwaukee, Golden State, which were, you know, thought of as two of the, or are still thought of as two of the top teams in the league. And then they kind of went on a nice little run here. I think this is worse because I think... (laughs) foolishly we i me i won't group you in with me maybe you did maybe you didn't got myself thinking again that this team could maybe do a little something this year and <laughs> this is nope not for you mm, nope not even for a moment at least <laughs> well, not but, recent not in the last month or so i listen they've been they've been good i mean I, i'll let you go in a second but there have been yeah. some good moments for sure but then you hear mike breen talk about before or during today's game that of the 10 games in the month of january where the knicks have played five of them the knicks were down by 20 points or more. That's reprehensible, especially when a fair amount of them are at home. And I think the other thing as well is just this, this Pelicans game that kind of had a lot of these issues come to a head. Yep. And I was prepared to say this, whether the next one or lost, it feels less of a, um, it feels less true because it comes after a win. Whereas if it were a loss, I feel like people would really resonate with it, but I'm beginning to wonder if what I said about the Knicks being a 500 team was actually too generous. And we'll certainly yeah. see that as it plays out in the next couple of weeks. I hope what I had said initially is at least an apt description, but I just, I look at the schedule. I look at how the team has been chugging along and I get nervous because as great as the Mavs game was, there are how many great. others that you can say, well, you know, look at this team. And that's, that's where it's so challenging for me, John, because I want to say like, why, like, if I said to you, for example, why should I believe in this team? I'm not saying it as a pessimist. I'm saying it just like, what really is there that, that is so compelling because I feel like using last year of all well, the Knicks were this record, yeah. that doesn't matter because it the doesn't fact matter. as well that it's a different year. And also you're playing with, 10, you know, 10 more games. You could say, well, there are 10 more games for them to win. 
Uh, sure, but the, the whole point is with a condensed schedule, it's it, it was a very different situation because of how the wins played out and how much they they meant. Every win, it's like in, in football, right? If you win, you play 17 games. Every game is more important because there are fewer of them. So that's what I kind of worry about as I watch this team. It's what is it that is going to be compelling enough to to carry forward and do something this year? So, again, a little behind the curtain here. Andrew, uh, in his rundown that he has uh, so generously um, prepared for us um, this week, started with uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and which which do we want to? And that was that was this was kind of my entry into this conversation about: do, Are we feeling good? Are, are we want to focus on the good today? Do we want to focus on the bad? Do we want to focus on the ugly? And we'll get to the different stuff. But I think the reason why we have to focus or at least despite the win today. And despite the fact that everything I just said about like, if it's one game different, like we're looking at things differently and, you know, only a game under 500 and like we're, we're seeing things from, from our blue and orange lens. And meanwhile, like there's a lot of other teams out there, a lot of other fan bases who are feeling not so great about their teams either. And we just think it's, it's us. Julius Randall what confidence could you possibly have that this is going to get better? And as an, as an NBA team, not all the time, but a goodly portion of the time, you are as good as your best player. And Julius Randle... And, and as soon as I say that, you know what half of our listeners probably just did? They're like, Julius why Randall do you that? hate RJ Barrett, John? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, but, so look, and, and look, this is not... And this is going to come off like shade. No matter how I preface this, it's going to come off like shade. There's nothing I could do to make this not come off like shade. Um, but I'm going to say it anyway. RJ Barrett may at some point be the best player on a pretty decent basketball team. He looked great on Sunday. I, I, I say that knowing that he was six for 19 from inside the arc. I thought he looked great on Sunday. I thought he played with a purpose. I thought his shots were good. I thought even his misses were okay. His makes were wonderful. He was obviously good from behind the arc. It is, it is, it concluded a stretch of nearly a month where it's like, okay, this looks like he could be a real guy in this league. I went and looked it up today. He's um 37th in, in the NBA, which is good in restricted area field goal makes this season. Okay, thirty seventh place. Um, how many of the players ahead of them, ahead of him, do you think have a worse shooting percentage in the restricted area? Judging by your tone, the tenor of my question, I'm going to say at most four of them. Um, that would be that would be one, uh, and that player's name is uh, Russell Westbrook, um, which is not not where you want to be living. If you're an NBA player, um, Russ and him and uh, Franz Wagner, who was a rookie, are the only players who have, are in that range who are shooting below um, 60% from the restricted area. RJ is actually the only player in the top 45 of the league who is shooting. Um, sorry, him and Franz and, and, and Russ are the only players shooting below 60% in the restricted area. Is that a somewhat random stat that I just threw out there? Yeah, a little bit. But here's here's my point. RJ right now can't create for himself um, on the perimeter or he, whatever he can do. It's like it's limited, right? Um, offense was need, running through him though a bit today, which was well. Nice. Yes, the offense running, and, and I think we're seeing 
what the offense looks like when it could run through RJ Barrett. You're going to have some moments that are really good. And you're going to have other moments where, what did they score against Boston the other last week? 75 points? 75. Right. Okay. It's going to be a mixed bag and the the bottom is going to be pretty low and the, the top is going to have some nice moments, but even again today, he's going to be my three-star player of the game for Monday's newsletter. It still has to be put into the context of like, okay, for most NBA players, six for 19 inside the arc is not a good, not a good rate. Here's my point. I've, I've been meandering towards this. If he's the best player on your team, you don't have a very good team. And this team was designed for him to take a step up for Julius Randle at the very least to maintain or be somewhere around where he was last season. And then you add these ancillary pieces. If RJ really is the best player on the team moving forward, should like, is that, is that supposed to give me more hope? I, 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 I like, again, I'm not trying to be a dick. Are you saying just, I'm just talking. I, I I think the, the offense should go through him this year. I don't care how many games they win because it is for the best for the long term. I'm just talking about, this year, solely this year. Um, and that's why it's like, and again, why am I focusing on the restricted area? Because that's where he gets all his points, right? So, and look, there's other parts to this. He uh, Lots of offensive rebounds come off of his drives. He uh, gets the attention of the center, all that shit. Still, the numbers are what the numbers are. That's that's the only point that I'm making here. I think that's fair. I, I guess the to your point of how many, how good would this team be with RJ Baird at the helm? How many teams are successful when a 21-year-old is leading the charge as a first option? Yeah. I, in fact, I think that would be a very compelling newsletter if that's something you ever are interested in. I mean, I don't need a yeah, newsletter yeah. on it. It's, no, it's, I, I, right. But, but to actually quantify, it, it's very easy to say it. I, and listen, you don't it's one guy it. per draft on average. There's usually one Luca per draft or one Ja Morant per draft or one, well, Trey Young. What I'm saying is in terms of the how a team progresses when their best player is like 22 or younger. That's what I'm saying. Like oh, when they I, are the first option or when they are like yeah, that that's, sort of thing. But the, what's the, it depends on the player. I'm of course, like, I, all, I, I'm not talking about the player in this case. I'm talking about the team, right? How is yeah. the team going to do when the best player is running the offense and he's 21 years old? Because it depends on how good the player. Of course it does. But I'm, but I'm saying, I understand that, but I'm saying that history would probably indicate, and I don't have it in front of me, but that's what I'm saying. I, if, okay. I have the project of it, that that team is not going to do very well in that player's season. A thousand percent. Yes. Right. And so he's we, not, he's, he's, he is, um, he shouldn't feel bad about the fact that at 21, this is where he is at. And I'm not trying to make it to be that I'm just talking about, this is a whole conversation about fans expectations and should we be happy or should we be sad? And people wanted a playoff team this year and we're talking about what they're going to be. And that's all we're talking about, what they're going to be for this year. That's all. That's all. Yeah. And you know, again, Julius Randle played well against the Clippers. Eh, it's, I don't know about he, that. He played, he played well. I mean, relatively speaking, I would say he, he well. shot it efficiently. His and turnovers he, obviously were an issue. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, Fine. Relatively no, speaking, again. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but no, like, no, I, I hear you. I get it. I get it. I know but you watched the game too. It, it, yes. It didn't, wasn't that great. I, I thought I said, fine, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the point here is I'm giving I, you look, shit. I'm he, he played how he played. If he played far worse and the Knicks lose this game, that's or I guess if he plays far worse, then there's a chance the Knicks do lose this game because the Clippers were in lockstep with the Knicks. They never led. And towards the end, it didn't feel like they were going to come back and win but they were close enough where you just, they really weren't that far behind. And that's the thought. I mean, of course, if, if one of your better players plays well, you're 
likely going to have a better chance of winning that. You can say that about any team for any of their stars. But then you also wonder, okay, well, is what we saw more sustainable? Because again, you don't even have to say it's a great game. It's a good, you, like yeah. you can just describe it as compared to where he has been. Because when I saw him on what Wednesday, Tuesday, whatever day it was, the Pelicans game was like, yeah. Thursday. And just like, I mean, we all saw it on TV, but when he was a broken human being. Yes. At the end of the half where he was inconsolable. And then you have this issue of where the Knicks are not having him speak in oh. front of the media, which to me kind of feels like, okay, you're, you're taking something that really isn't an issue and turning into something that could become something of an issue. And it just gave other, it gave other entities ammo. And I didn't understand why that was the case. Why, there was the need, unless he said, I really don't feel comfortable going out there. But then at that point, I'm thinking, well, I hear you. But if you don't feel comfortable going out there, I mean, that comes with the territory of being a leader. <laughs> and so that's why it's I don't want to pin blame on one or the other. It's just in general, both of them with, with how it's being conducted. It's not great. And it's hard to kind of have when you all say both of, of them. You mean Randall Randall. And and the Knicks in terms and the of team. how yeah, I thought. Okay. the two, the two entities have kind of come together and, and I just want to make sure that's what you, okay. Yeah. And, and so it's just like how you have a cooler head, how that prevails, because it's just, it, it just gets to a point where you hope for the best, but that's really all it is at this point, right? It, it's hope. It's just, it's optimism that things turn around and we have like one year of data to, to show that Randall can be that guy. And we have a lot of other data to say, well, maybe he's not. And it's, again, we've talked about it. It's fine that he's not a first option. I'm okay with that. You don't have to make him a first option. That's not what his role is destined to be. But he's got it. Like in this game, for example, he has to do something to be that second option. And he did a better job of it. But it has to be consistent. And no one is consistent. And I just... He did a better job than shooting one of nine from the field and scoring four points. But unfortunately, that is the that is hold that, that is our bar, bar that we are operating with. Yeah, it sucks. Like I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I know you. I know in saying that you realize it is as absurd as I realize hearing it. It's just of uh, so. Look, here's. I don't feel too bad about where things are at. And I think, you know, cause I am the eternal optimist. I feel okay. I, and I know you do too, because your, your eyes are on the big picture and I know you trust this front office as much as I do. And I know you, you don't get caught up in the emotions of it, which is good. I, I guess I just, I would, I would feel a little bit better if I, if I knew for certain that this front office was like, all they're concerned about at this point is just getting the most value for this player and that everything that we're seeing this, this year, you know, the fact that like he has been some, let's just say he has been somewhat coddled by the organization. Like obviously Thibodeau still like will defer to him and gives him the benefit of the doubt. A lot of people, the reason I, I think people are mad at Thibodeau for a lot of reasons. And this is the, the ugly part of the good, the bad and ugly. Um, but I have to think that the one that's that stands out the most is the feeling like Thibodeau has almost in a sense become an enabler for Randall because of the stuff we see every game and there doesn't seem to be if there are consequences like we don't 
we don't see it. Like, there, I mean, I have to bring it up. There was a, a tweets today from Popper and Stefani that there was a timeout. And again, I wish I was making this up where Thibodeau was drawing up a play in the huddle and all of the Knicks were, I guess, surrounding Thibodeau as he's drawing up whatever the hell he's drawing up on his whiteboard. And Randall, according to two, two beat reporters, was walking around the court and saying hi to his family. Like, that's just like that's that's just strange to me without I like, well, like, why? What, what is the what is the reasoning for that? Um, if I knew that the front office was like, OK, you know, we thought maybe it would go better than this. It has not. Let's just figure out the best out plan possible and not do anything rash. And like, look, this season was we were never going to win anything in the season anyway. Let's just get through the year and like make the most of it. We made our Cam Reddish trade. We'll feature RJ Barrett, XYZ, you know. And if I knew that, and also I have to throw in also, if we knew that they were looking to move Kemba Walker, because that ship has sailed. We're, we're, I'm sorry, but we're done. Am I, where do you, I haven't checked in with you on the Walker thing. Where are you on? Walker, who didn't play today, and RJ, coincidentally or otherwise, looked pretty good again. Walker, barely even newer. Um, I don't know. Listen, I don't know. Whatever. Um, with Kemba, <laughs> where where am I at? I would say I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, here, all right. So here's my thing with Kemba. It's <clears> a certain <throat> point where agreed, it's not going to work, and the Knicks aren't going to bench him uh, from the perspective of making him a sub. And I think they would rather just say you are a starter or you're out of the rotation, similar to how they did that before. But they also cannot in good conscience say, no, you're out of the rotation again, because the backlash would be too much. In my opinion, it's just like the idea of you removed him before and now he's back. He has, you know, these incredible games. He's a triple double on Christmas and he comes back and his knee is acting up. And instead you just say he's out of the rotation again. I just don't think that's a good look. And I think that's something that they care about to an extent based on the fact that Kemba is well-liked. We've had a similar conversation yeah. in the past about the politics and all of that with Kemba. And I think and again, th- and that matters. It does. It does. And now here's the thing. It's if you're going to trade Kemba, it's to a team that you feel he can you know, you can go do right by him. And then you can also get something positive in return. The question then, of course, is what team, who needs him, all these things. Because if you're trading him, you're not trading him most likely to be a starter somewhere else. You are trading him because he'd go somewhere and he'd play off the bench. Do they need something positive back? Well, I mean, they need some sort, they need to turn Kemba into something, right? If they, um, again, I don't, I'll, I'll pull up similar salaries, but like um, he's an easy salary to move because it could, it could be as little as what, four point something. And then as much as like 14 point something. Right. Pretty much. So like, look, there, we don't have to go through every deal. Like you could, if you take back bad money, maybe you require a better pick, but like if it was essentially a net neutral deal and you were just get him out of here to, like you said, do right by him and to clear up what is clearly a, a bit of a situation with the rotation. Cause like, I don't know how much, like, how much longer could they pass? If the guy was like hundred percent healthy, I'm not even sure if that would be, I guess we would have more of a sample size, but like, like I don't know what they're waiting for. Are they waiting to like, if the, cause if, if the rationale is like, let's just give it 15 more games in a row and see if maybe then they could figure it out. Well, what are the odds that Kemba's is going to play 15? Like it's just, it's not adding up. That's what, that's the only reason I asked the question. Is it just better to get him out of here to get him out of here? I don't think so. Again, you, 
it's the continuous soup. You got to use him in some manner. You can't just get rid of him. But here's the thing that I'm also trying to figure out, right? We're talking about the whole idea of this season. And I can't remember when it was. I know at some past podcast I mentioned where it's like a big reason why I'm not upset at this season is because this to me, like last year was great. And unfortunately for Tibbs's case, it's almost like he is a victim of his own success Yeah, because the, the bar has been raised for him. And now for he raised uh, the know, bar for he himself. did. He yeah. did such a good job that the stakes were raised. If the Knicks had a record similar to this year, people would have been happy. They wouldn't have been thrilled, but they would have said, you know, this was a team that was absolute crap. They are clearly on the way. They're doing better. You replace it with you know last season with this season. And then it's just a linear line, but or just linear, but it's not linear. It's it never is. But so it goes back to again. Okay, let's say good things don't necessarily happen to this team. What is really at stake? Like, what what is the worst thing that could really happen? And you could say a lot of different things, but assuming no, I, assuming health you. stays the way it is, yeah. So the Knicks flounder. That sucks. It really does because we all want to see the Knicks do well. But it's not like there's really going to be a star likely on the trading block that will be there in the offseason. Guess what? If there is, and the Knicks do worse, well. They have a, a lottery pick, might yeah. even be top 10 that they could offer because they're already dealing with a log jam of sorts anyway and need to consolidate. Can I answer the question? Yeah, please. I, I think my, my simple answer is I'm going to go back to the first thing I said. It, the, 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 I think the reason the season has so many people down, you know, me a little bit included, is again because rent, like, I think the worst case scenario for a lot of people is what we're seeing Randall playing like this off of that new contract. And I want to be very clear. I'm not saying he's untradeable. No, no player is untradeable. But like Randall, like they could move that contract if they wanted to move him. They can move him tomorrow. Like some yeah. team is going. You might have to take back some money that you don't love. But like it, you, you'll be able to move him for a player that is like a good player in terms of like fit and like all the specifics. Like so, I, it's not even from that perspective. It's just you, you, you're you you were tethered to this guy and you're and that's why i said what i said before are are they still tethered to him mentally as a front office as an organization or have they moved on to the point where they're like we're we'll just we're just going to operate in our best interest and that's if julius Randle's here or julius Randle's not here we don't really care but that's why i keep going back to the idea of are they are they building with Randall or building around Randall? Because if they were building around Randall, I think then that like, ship has sailed, but right. Exactly. I don't, they, he, the they cat's aren't. not, it's not the genie's not going back in the bottle. You've, it, you've enabled him. I don't know what other word to use. You've enabled him. But what I'm saying more is like, if the Knicks really said Randall's our guy, we are going to do right by him. They would have made other moves or they, or they would <laughs> consider making moves that are, Hey, let's, let's go more for the present. They're not necessarily doing that. I mean, could you argue then that Cam Reddish is kind of like the best of both worlds? Sure, you're trading sure. a first round pick, but you're also getting back a young player who's still on his rookie contract. And so it's that mindset of like, what have the Knicks done to really trade solid assets yeah. and 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 package them for? You're talking about the front office, though. I am. I'm, t- I'm and I'm talking about what we're seeing on the court. What we're seeing on the court well, is a player a who clearly believes I am still the man. I'll give RJ his his pittance a little bit more, but like we see him monopolize these possessions. Like that's not a guy who was like slowly uh, uh, becoming accepting of a different role. I I don't see that at least, you know, I, I will say, look, I understand where Randall's coming from because what he would say is like, I last season was a top 10 NBA player. Yeah. 
And I know that when I'm on my game, I can do well and I can be that guy. And we could say, well, guess what, Randall? It's not working out that way. You look at your percentages. <laughs> we look at your shot distribution. We do say that. Every we look week. at your effort. We look at all of these things and you are, you're not that guy, pal. That's not who you are being right now. If you called Julius Randall pal, he would knock you the fuck out. I don't even care what you would proceed it. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Or he would just block me on Twitter, but <laughs> that's only half of us too, for now. Touche. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving size when you have guests, or just double up on your favorite recipes so your box works harder for you. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences or skip a week whenever you need. Feeding the whole family has never been easier with larger box sizes for more servings and more savings. HelloFresh also offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make, with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh is 30% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store. Plus, you skip the checkout lines. Try our quick and easy meals, which include 15 to 20 minute dinners, breakfast on the go, and 10 minute lunches in HelloFresh Market. Perfect for your busy schedule. Enjoy restaurant quality meals for less in the comfort of your own home. HelloFresh's gourmet recipes like balsamic fig sirloin are over 72% cheaper than an average restaurant meal. Look, guys, I don't have to tell you how busy I can be with all the work I do for Nick's Film School, as well as my show Final Review. 
My girlfriend is just as busy, and when that question comes up every night, what do you want for dinner, rarely do we both have answers. Well, we've actually been customers of HelloFresh for over a year, and we're thrilled when we found out about this sponsorship. Not only is the food delicious, but it's convenient to make and takes away that simple anxiety of what you're going to have for dinner that night. They send you a week's worth of meals, you cook them, you prepare them, you eat them, and then by the weekend, a new box for the following week shows up. It's that simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. You know, I do want to say one thing about Julius. So please, I was at this Pelicans game and... I saw the comments afterwards that Josh Hart had about the booing. And he said, it sometimes it felt like six on five, but it, it wasn't so much that the crowd was in it on one side or on the other. It's like they knew that the Knicks fans weren't in the Knicks corner, but they also weren't in the Pelicans corner. And I just think about there was this, I mean, there were other people around the whole stadium, but there's especially this father who was fairly close to me. And he would vociferously boo really loudly. And again, I am not saying fans should not boo. They have the right to do what they want when they get into the stadium. They can say what they want online, whatever it is. But the thing that I thought about was like, well, to this dad who's booing, it's not helping. The only thing it's doing is helping you. It is you feeling powerless, this situation, feeling like you are able to say, hey, by booing, I'm voicing my displeasure. And what does that really change? Well, clearly we can tell that Julius is Julius is not motivated by people having negative reactions. We can point to one game, one game where it went well and he booed them back. And then it's only come back went really well. <laughs> right. It, it started this well whole shit store. Exactly. And so, again, it's not like, hey, dad of this child and other people around don't boo. It's just consider the fact that that's not working. And you could just keep booing him and we could see similar things. I'm not saying applaud. I'm not saying, you know, feign some sort of um, appreciation for Julius. You just you don't have to be so vocal because he knows that he's in the doghouse. We know that Julius is not playing well. He knows that we know. Exactly. It's just the, the mindset of like, maybe if we just try to ease up a little bit in terms of how we are projecting, maybe it changed something. And if it doesn't, then so be it. But like, I felt terrible for Julius when he's hearing, you know, we want Obi chance, right? Yeah. Because clearly if Tibbs isn't going to play Julius with Obi, then it means only one thing. We don't want you. And I, I, someone made that distinction. I know that um, uh, for the Strickland, uh, Jeff Rasmussen had a great piece on the, the post game for that as well for the Pelicans game. And it's the sort of mindset of like, you know, we, we as fans are starting to turn Obi into a folk hero. And you could then say, well, Tibbs is doing that because of the fact that Tibbs isn't playing him. And I hear you. I would love to see Obi get creative thanks to Tibbs. hundred percent. But it's just, it's, it's really hard because I, I hear the Obi chance and it brings me back to like Theo Pinson type chance. And we can all say that we love Theo and also acknowledge the fact that Theo was a team cheerleader that we wanted to succeed. Yeah. Obi is not, Theo Pinson Obi is a lottery pick from two years ago who deserves the chance to play. And it's just like, it hurts to see 
It hurt to see Alec Burks get called up instead of Obi when the Knicks are down three centers, obviously. But then when it's other moments, it's just like, again, Tibbs can avoid this by playing Obi. Obi could probably avoid this, uh, you know, avoid this by maybe playing better practice. Tibbs always talks about how practice is the first thing, but it just, well, he can also do stuff in games. Like, you know, yeah, box out better, like rebound better, like stay with his man better, like not give as much room, like all the little things that Tibbs obsesses over that OB is like hit or miss because he's a second year player with certain deficiencies. Um, and oh, by the way, he's made what seven three pointers, just whatever the hell it is. Like, there, there's a reason that this guy is not playing more minutes. Um, and, you know, and I'm sorry that upsets a lot of people to say that, but like. He's there's like if Tibbs thought he could help him win games, Tibbs would put him into games. Like, I don't know. That's why, like, you know, Andrew put this in the in the rundown is like the ugly part of it. Of like, you know, t- this whole like Tibbs versus the f- I'll go on my rant now. By the way, I agree with you 100 um, percent. I've never booed. I will never boo. It's pointless. I think it's stupid. You could do what you want. You pay your money. Um, my solution is I just don't pay money to go watch this team play. Um, I and I say that as someone who obviously. Now I sit here and I do what I do after the game. So there's like a reason I can't go to the games, but like any of the years where this team has been playing poorly, including this year, like I personally am not someone that's going to like risk X amount of money with the, with the distinct possibility that they're going to show up and stink, stink up the joint. You know, other people like pay the money and hope that they see a better product than when they don't see it, they boo. I get so I don't know. Um, the, the Tibbs OB thing is just like, you're, you're, you're I, again, I, I don't know how else to say it. You're basically saying that Tibbs doesn't know what he's doing, which to me is like, I, it's just, it's just very disrespectful to a guy who is widely acknowledged as one of the best coaches in basketball. I think there, you can quibble with some stuff about Tibbs. I've had this discussion. God knows with Schwinn many times about like, I've had it with myself many times. Like the, what, what can and what should and, should not, I guess, be you know, like allowed with fan criticism. Like it's okay. It's okay to, you know, pick nits about like a, you know, a, a, like again, Burks going back into the game instead of Obi. Like I agreed with it. A lot of people didn't, whatever. Um, you know, his like insistence that quickly can't be a starting point guard for this team is annoying to me. I wish you would give it a shot at the same time. Like I know he has his reasons. I know he has his reasons for everything. The OB stuff from the fans, to me, the reason I get so annoyed by it is because it comes off to me again. This is just me um, as like you're doing like it's so clear that you're doing the team a disservice by not playing this player. And we're not we're not talking about a guy who has come in and during his minutes, like done the things that he needs to do to warrant that playing time, you know, Um, so. I just don't know where that leaves us. I understand we're all frustrated with Randall, but again, from an organizational standpoint, if the, if people around the league start to get a sense that like the Knicks are out on Randall, like at least right now they could like people looking and be like, okay, Randall's going through his issues, but they're still running him out there 40 minutes a night. If this started to be like Randall's playing 28 minutes and Julia and Obi's playing like 20, everybody around the league would be like, Oh wow. They must really want to get this guy the hell out of there. And that's just not worth it to me. Um, Aside from the fact that Tibbs is trying to win games and he knows his best chance to win games with the roster is currently constituted is to get Julius Randle right. And he's going to keep beating his head into a wall until it either happens or Julius Randle gets traded or he gets fired. And that's just the way it's going to be. Um, 
if he thought Obi could do better, he would play Obi. He doesn't think Obi could do better. I think it's it's just that simple. Um, so that's all I wanted to say on that. I think it's well said. And I think the other thing as well, and Schwinn uh, made this point, is it's almost like the front office needs to save Tibbs from himself. But that's, that's fine. the challenge where we talk about this season and how there's not a ton that's at stake. And it's not the worst thing in the world by any stretch if the Knicks are just simply kind of a development team. But until that happens, where Tibbs is, you know, saying is told you're going to develop these guys, he's not going to do it. And he has control of who's playing and who's not. I think the frustrating part as fans is how we grapple with, okay, this team is competing, but it's also developing. And how do we balance these things? Because it's really fucking hard. It is. I mean, (laughs) think about like this, right? For every Obi Toppin, there's a Quentin Grimes. For for every Emmanuel Quickly, there's a Mitchell Robinson. these guys, it fluctuates. And I'd love to see all of these players get more time. But at a certain point as well, you know, like there are guys who are getting these minutes. We just often don't focus on them because I think, at least from what like, I see naturally, there's there's just a, a sense of being cynical, which is understandable. But then it's like, again, there are still good things developing here. So d- development is code for I'm going to make decisions that that are not in the best interest of winning the game. And I think we've seen coaches in this town play every game to win it to the detriment of the organization during seasons where they are out of it in January or really realistically like December. That's not this season. Unless the Knicks make an organizational decision that says we are we are no longer prioritizing winning this year. Tibbs has no choice but to make the decisions that best he thinks will best result in wins. That's an organizational decision that they have not made yet. And quite frankly, I don't think they should be making that decision yet. You should not punt on the play on the possibility of a playing game when you are literally tied for the playing spot, right? Like there will be time to do that potentially in the last 10, 15 games of the season. We'll go through the schedule right now, Um, but it's not time for that yet. So like, that's what you really mean by develop. It's like, we're, we don't care about winning anymore. And that's not, they can't not care about winning. Not yet. Maybe we'll have a different tune in three to four weeks. Not yet. Especially because then at a certain point it flips. Right. And then it's like, okay, we're going to focus more on, or as fans, we focus more on losses perhaps instead of wins, because it's not, we say, yeah, if the team wins, it's great. And if it's the younger players, if they lose, so be it. But then when the younger players win games, the thought process of is of like, oh, well, maybe if they hadn't won an extra two games before or they had made the decision earlier, then this would have happened or that would have happened. And it's all like you could find whatever narrative you want. It, like anytime it's there. The same thing happened in 2018 where it's like, I can't believe the Knicks did this and didn't go for a, a star in the top of the draft. It's like, yeah, I hear you. I get it. But at the same time, there's also talent that was behind them that they passed on. And they, you know, you could say, well, they tried building around Christoph's Porzingis. Like, yeah, they tried building around their fourth overall pick and the guy they thought that they could win with. And then they decided, well, we can't really do that. And we're not going to do that. And that's the, the biggest thing where it's, you know, like I keep going back to this front office and how good they have been with their picks. And as much as I would love to not have to see this team trade up for a player that they might like, it's also like they've knocked it out of the park 25 twice. 
<laughs> they've done a pretty yeah. good job. It Absolutely. seems in later rounds as well, or you know, the, the no, 30s, no, and I, you hope hundred percent. Right. So with that in mind, it's well, you hope for the best, and but then what is the best? And that's relative. Uh, everything's relative, as you know. Uh, so yeah, before we give out our game ball and and put someone in detention, um, we should note that uh, as of today. The Knicks have the hardest strength of schedule remaining in basketball. Um, number one in terms of the strength, uh, 54.4 winning percentage for the 35 games that they have left to play. Um, even more disconcerting, as I'm looking at uh, the list that was tweeted out by the Knicks Film School account earlier today, I do not see one team, not a single team, that they are ostensibly competing with for a play in spot uh, in the bottom, basically in the, in the, like the bottom half here. Um, so it's like the, the next, like everybody that they're competing with really kind of has a, a relatively easy schedule or at least a, a schedule that is like easier than the median. And I'm talking about the Washington's and the Boston's and the Charlotte's and the, if you want to throw Cleveland in there, the Cleveland's of the world, uh, who else? Atlanta, um, Toronto, like none of those teams have a particularly difficult schedule and the Knicks have the hardest schedule, um, in the immediate future, I, we don't have to go through the whole thing, but like, you want to go through week, the deadline? Yeah, let's go through the deadline. So, um, through the deadline, they have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Well, are we counting the game? We won't count the game that on deadline night. We will not. So, so they have uh, six of eight on the road. Here's how it goes this week. At Cleveland, at Miami, at Milwaukee. They will be underdogs in every one of those games. The closest spread will probably be Cleveland. They'll probably be, if I had to guess, four and a half. I was about to say five, five and a half, six, something like that. Point dogs. Then they got Sacramento at home. Should be interesting game. Um, and then Memphis at home, which we'll see how Memphis is playing. You never know. Crazy things have happened. Um, and then three games on the road before the deadline at the Lakers, which still feels like it's a hard game, even the Lakers suck, but whatever. <laughs> That's an ABC game, by the way, on Saturday. Um, and then at Utah, where just nobody wins. And uh, then at Denver, where which is a team that I feels like the Knicks have not beaten in a very long time. I can and tell then, you one. It was 2006. That was the George W. Bush administration. That's how long it's been. Is that the last time the Knicks have won in Denver? We have had three U.S. presidents since the Knicks <laughs> have won in Denver. And it was the Jamal Charles shot. Uh, Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford. Um, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say for these eight games, um, I think three and five would do. <laughs> they do They do pretty well to go three and five. Mm -hmm. And then, by the way, trade deadline night, they have at, they're at Golden State. Um, I really do. feel I, My honest answer is I think they would do well to go three and five in these games. Um, four and four would be something of a fucking miracle. Although I don't know. Would it this, but let's say they're three and five. Yeah. So let's, let's say they're three and five. So they are six and 29, 26 and 29. And again, looking at the standings, I guess here's, I guess here's the point before, and then we'll go to game balls. Is there anything that this team could do over the next eight days that would get them to materially alter their approach at the deadline in either direction. I'm honestly not sure that there is. I think I'm trying to figure out what to, 
save for when we actually do dive into more of a trade thing and what we... Okay. So should. it saves, saves enough. The, the point is, I mean, again, I think there is there are too many players who need minutes on this team. And we could say injuries and how it shakes out and all that. Sure. But at the end of the day, there are guys who need to play. And we can't... Like Cam Reddish came from a team where he had very few avenues to play. Comes to New York, says to Rebecca Harlow about how... Uh, he's really excited to be in New York and the opportunity. And he loves that the, the log jam, so to speak, or whatever it's competitive. And it's like, that's the same thing you had in Atlanta. It's just not a fresh start. And that's of course, then it gets you thinking of like, well, if he's excited about it and the competition and all that, like, does he know something that maybe we do not? And it's not obviously like, Hey, we're going to trade X player. And you know, this and no one else does. It's more just the mindset of, you know, give us time. We're working with this. And, and that's the other thing I do want to talk about is with Cam Reddish as well. Sure. Obviously he did not play very much today against the Clippers and uh, people are naturally are disappointed. And I hear that, but again, I, I look at it as, okay, let's assess the Cam Reddish situation on February 10th. Yeah. Let's see how this team shakes out and what the Knicks decide to do. Because again, Tibbs has his hands full. We can say, Hey, let's put, this veteran to the side and give Cam Reddish all their minutes. And it's just not going to be realistic. And yeah. it's trying to fix, you know, put all these pieces. And it goes back to then that point of what is the front office going to do to make Tibbs's life easier? He may feel that his life is getting harder by having less talent, you know, or younger talent well, having to develop them. Make his but, life simpler. Sure. Yeah. He, fewer choices, you know, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's it's like pre portioned meals. You have to you only yeah. eat what's given to you. But by the way, the Wizards next, uh, the Wizards uh, only have uh, six games between now and the deadline. That's interesting. Um, hmm, I guess we have a packed schedule. Those what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say the Wizards are also this is the other thing. How are these teams around the Knicks going to also handle themselves at the deadline. Well, because if I'm the Wizards and I see Bradley Beal, yeah. you know, if you see the comments, obviously about the contract because I know he won on the Woj pod and all. No, the fact is that by waiting, Bradley Beal is eligible for a fifth year and he will get to the 35% max threshold because he will be entering his 11th season. They're not, um, you, you, I mean, you obviously they're not trading him. No, but they, the wizards are also an interesting team because they like the Knicks have a consolidation issue. They need, they've too many good players and too many uh, players. Well, to, I don't know about right, that. They, they, they have good, they have good enough talent. It's not great, but it's like if they jumped into the Jeremy Grant sweepstakes, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest because no. to them, they have, you know, picks that they've had that yeah. they could, they, you know, they could consolidate. Um, can I give you their next six games before the yes. deadline? Uh, Clippers uh, on Tuesday, which again, feisty team at Memphis, at Milwaukee, at Philly, home for Phoenix home for Miami, and then they have Brooklyn on trade deadline night. There's a chance, and by the way, the Wizards have lost three in a row. Um, There's a chance the Wizards win one of those six games, maybe two. I would probably conservatively put it at one. So the notion that, I mean, other than Atlanta, like, but again, let's say Indiana, like, or Atlanta goes five and one or six and one or whatever between now and the deadline. Like, the Knicks are going to wake up on the morning of February 10th, and they're going to be like, we're right there. We're right there. And whether you think that that's the most asinine thing in the world for them to be, to look at this thing and, and be like, there's something to go for here. It doesn't matter. Like that you can't, 
that's just not what's done in the NBA. You don't like you don't see teams who are have a possibility of a postseason of some kind be like we're and by the way, here's the other well, part it's of it. Done. It's just when it's done, it's very rash and it does not work out in the long term. That's the thing. Yeah. And Pe- you know, but, people who are desperate to hang on to their jobs and say, let's start to go in a little bit more like the Wizards is the schedule you're talking about. I hear you. And the fact that the Knicks would still be right there and could compete and that's how they could sell it. And it's fine. It's then like, okay, well, if the Wizards are have lost, they lost three in a row. If they've lost of those six games, five of them, and they're what? One and eight in their last nine, then that's the perfect way of saying, no, 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 we're going to get you help, Brad. We're going to go in and do this. And then if you're the Knicks, you're thinking like, okay, well, we don't even have to necessarily get help because we're just working and we're already in lockstep with them. And then you don't have to give up on anything. You could still trade from a surplus and still be able to be in it. And at the end of the day, if you get knocked out as the 10th seed, does that suck? Sure. But you can still say, hey, we made the play in tournament. We did what we had to. Aside, the reason I don't think they're going to be like crazy sellers is because, again, what's their best asset? Alec Burks? What are you getting for Alec Burks? I don't even think I'm not even sure Alec Burks would get a first round pick at this point. Um, I, I just I'm going to be I'm going to be interested to see are there you know where I'm going? Are there rumors that come out week of just like teams sure are calling the Knicks about a, about a certain someone? Um. Listen, crazier things, right? I'll say this. Going into this week, I felt like it is out of the realm of possibility. It's not going to happen. The Knicks are not going to trade Julius Randle. And now, now I feel like it's really highly unlikely, but it's moved just enough where it's like, it would not shock me, but it would really, really surprise me. So you're saying there's a difference. But that's the thing. It's like, again, I don't see it happening whatsoever, but I could see a world in which maybe it happens a little bit more likely. So, no, let's just, I will look, we'll, we'll cover this in our, in our trade, but like some team would have to, Unless there's two things that could happen. One, it could be a, a star first, or a, a big air quote star for a star trade, um, in which somebody gives a pick or something or whatever. Or some team could just get fucking desperate and be like, "We think Julius Randle could help us win a playoff series if he's our second or third best player," and give the Knicks something that they they can't turn down. Which I I, I remain skeptical that 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 is that is going to happen. That's all. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's do game ball. Um, okay. I feel like I've been stealing, not stealing. I've been commandeering the good game ball recipients of late. Yes. I don't want to do that. I feel bad. Okay. That's all right. I, I don't um, really mind, but I will uh, take it. I will take the first al- one. Although if I pass up RJ Barrett, I, then people are really going to think that I hate him. So I'm really in quite the conundrum. I'll um, tell you what. Take the first one. Think of me next week. We'll work from there. I'll give my game ball to RJ Barrett. Um, despite everything I said earlier about his poor shooting in the restricted area. Um, I stand by. I do think we are. I do think we are witnessing a player in the midst of a leap of some kind. I don't know where that leap, you know, brings him to in terms of the hierarchy of young players in basketball. But I do know that. Um, the numbers that he are that he is putting up are not like fake numbers. Like you, you not that any numbers are truly fake numbers, but like 
it's meaningful that your wing can pull down 14 rebounds in a game and initiate the break. Um, and, and like just get in there and like get 14 rebounds like that. That is, that is meaningful. His assists that he is getting is are meaningful. Um, the fact that he is making again, a pass here and there that makes you see like, okay. And just more than anything, the fact that he has been the number one, because this is now, I think the, so like the eighth time in the, in the last 11 or 12 games that he's led the team in scoring something around there. It, it doesn't look like the it, the moment is getting too big for him, which I, I wondered and I wondered aloud a lot after that stretch earlier this season where he had those like four or five straight really good games. Um, did it start to get to his head? And now it seems like he's been given another crack here and he, he seems fine with it. You know, you'd like to see some more efficiency. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more, a little bit more playmaking, but like those are quibbles. Um, he looks the part. Um, he had a really nice game uh, today. He's, he's, you know, I know it's been a little bit up and down, but I'm, I'm just going to give it to, uh, to RJ out of respect. I think that's fair. I thought okay. you were going to end it like, and I still hate his fucking guts now, but <laughs> I, do. I do. Oh, you hear it late. <laughs> Folks. See, here's the crow, the crow. Oh, sorry. Crow knocked into the microphone. See, eat there's it, Mr. Crow. Eat, it. eat the crow. Um, well, speaking of eating crow, I guess I will go with uh, Mitchell Robinson in the sense that, yeah, you know, I, as of however, a couple months ago, wherever it was, he just did not look good. He looked like a shell of himself said, was not really interested moving forward. He has now obviously progressed. It's been great. I'm thrilled to have been doubting him and, you know, he's doing great. I'm not saying it's because of me. I'm not, not saying it's because of me. The protagonist. It. In this it's, world. it's because of but you. It's fine. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, good. You're welcome, America, uh, specifically, or anyone really who's a Knicks fan. But, you know, it's just the ability to be bouncy, be switchable, the offensive rebounds, you know, just the stuff that he does so well, the he's finishing at the rim at an even better record than he did when he set the, the historical record for finishing or for field goal percentage. So it's great to see, you know, I still am curious what his long-term focus on this team is. I don't say that to throw shade. It's just, again, there are only two guys left that were here before Leon Rose and his administration. Do they plan on keeping both of those guys based on how they're playing? I sure as hell hope so, because John, these two guys are the ones we just mentioned. So you hope that they can continue and they can thrive here. It'll just be really fascinating to see if that's, if they're still in their vision moving forward past February 10th. And uh, I hope for Mitchell Robinson's sake, especially with that ankle injury that he is part of the plan and you can work something out with him. Um, I too hope that Mitchell Robinson is okay. Um, because again, I feel like we've, we've done the up and down with Mitch so many times and, um, I'm, I feel like, uh, Mitch at this point is almost like the, like the, the X that you keep going back to, um, that has scarred you. Um, because it's like, you're, you're ready to believe. And then he has another stretch where he either, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, pin him as injury prone, but again, went down today, landed the wrong way. Like, was that his fault? No, but it is what it is. Um, it feels real this time. It feels real this time. We'll, we'll see if it is. I just looked it up. He's second in the NBA in offensive rebounds over the last 15 games. Um, 
not per game total. I think he's he's fifth uh, over at on a per game basis um, over the last fifteen games. Like he's doing all the things he needs to do. The defense has been good, um, and he's you know he's shooting it. Obviously, what is he shooting over the last fifteen? Shooting seventy nine percent from the field over the last fifteen games. That's pretty good. That is pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah, good good job by you. Uh, okay, uh, detention. I, mm. I, I, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading one of the players that Andrew listed, and then the last one, the last one, and then yeah, yeah. I don't know what to do with that. Um, uh, well, I, here's what we can say. Um, it's it was funny for me to listen to the pod you did with Chris Herring, which was great, and uh, I enjoyed it very much, and hearing about how the league has really tried to make it so that that era of basketball does not happen. And then Grayson Allen one barely gets suspended. And it's like, are you really trying? Like, same thing with, with Isaiah Stewart. Like, there has been, I mean, that was very different, obviously, yeah. than what Grayson Allen did and the history that he has, so don't get it twisted, very different situations, but at least in terms of if violence is really something that you are trying to prevent on an NBA level, maybe make it more punitive. I don't know. Just a thought. Uh, it is he's not, he's not even in my detention, although he deserves to be in a detention on his own. Um, okay. I, I, I feel like I piled on Randall so much. Can I, no, I have to give it to Randall. I this press conference thing has just it is it, like the the whole season how he's responded to all this and I feel like I've said some version of this over the last few weeks and I apologize if I have and this is just spinning my wheels but like it has just made me dislike him it has made me dislike rooting for him and that is the worst place to be as a fan when you are at the point where you're like, I really don't even like rooting for this person. Um, I don't like, I, I, I have a, everybody has their, um, their blind, not blind spots. They're, they're, um, you know, like a sort of, a sort of uh, fellow that just, you, you don't, you don't, it's not your cup of tea. Um, that like, just someone that can't deal with the heat. If you're a professional athlete in New York, it just rubs me the wrong way. I don't care for it. Um, and yeah, I, I don't really want to say anything else other than that. It's just, I'm giving Julius Randall my detention for the week. Um, I hope he makes me eat my words. I hope he makes me change how I feel about him at this time. Um, I just like, if you're going to play like shit, own it. That's all. Just own it, and then everybody go. You move on, but this stuff is just like, come on, it's ridiculous. Well said. I agree. This is uh, trickier for me. So I know that Andrew wants me to pick Tibbs because he and I were texting back and forth about this, and I think he's a worthwhile candidate. Obviously, okay. it's the sort yeah, of you, you do as you please. I, but I'm not even saying that I'm going to pick Tibbs. That's that's the thing. It's we have talked about it before and the development factor where some guys are doing great and some are not. And is that Tibbs? Sure. But it's also the players who are playing well and earning themselves in the rotation. But then you see games like the Minnesota game and how infuriating it is that 
that is a team that is primarily older and th- or not, not the, the wolves, but the players that he played, right. It was mostly seven guys who are all veterans who just, it wasn't going as well as it should have been and leaning on them or the Pelicans game where RJ was okay. The rest of the starting unit was not. No. Why is RJ Barrett not playing any time really? Um, at least towards the end, at of, the the end of the game. Yeah. So, that's fair. but that's the thing. It's like, well, what other candidate is there really? We talked about a bit about Kemba and how it's not working. I thought about giving it to Kemba. That would be my, that would be my guy. Be my guy. Also, by the way, yeah. Tom Thibodeau in that Minnesota game, the team played a 10 minute stretch after halftime, after adjustments are made where they looked probably better than they have at any point in time in the season. I'm just throwing that out there. They did look good. They did. But, um, you can give it to Tibbs. Give it to Tibbs. There's no other obvious candidate, like you said. No, but I, I. But that's the thing. I do also feel like Kemba is worthy of that because we. It's like I've gotten to the point now, similar to how you feel with Randall, where I look at Kemba, the hometown kid, you know, Knicks fan Nick, to his core, um, and I just every time he's on the the court, I just like, I feel kind of sad, and I just feel like. Maybe just maybe the team is better off without him. And the numbers, of course, back that up. And and the eye test kind of feels that way, too. And then it's frustrating because I see Alec Burks being a starting point guard and he's not a starting point guard. No. And it's just like, well, then Burks is suffering, but then Burks can't slide back to the role he was in because now you have Cam Reddish there. And it's just like, how do you make do with these things? And and it's like the reason you were trying a lot of this out is because you are not getting what you need from Kemba. And I don't really know how you, number one, get what you need from him this season or number two, get him somewhere and then get someone back who does do the service that you need. And of course, then others would say like, well, then start quickly. And I'm not against that by any stretch. I would, I, I figure at this point, I, I, you know, I would like lose. That. I mean, granted quickly started five games in his NBA career and the Knicks have lost all of them. But if that's the case, then I don't know how we can talk about stakes and not the, the, you know, dish, but what's at stake and be like, Hey, we'll quickly shouldn't see time as a starter. Because again, if you're going to have someone like Alec Burks, who is just not a driving point guard, he's not a point guard period. Not, he doesn't drive a lot. And especially doesn't finish well there. And then you have Emmanuel quickly who drives more and is still a better finisher. Not by a lot, but, but enough where it's like, your biggest argument is that you're just, if you're Tibbs, you're leaning on the veteran quickly, but, quickly with RJ and Randall, by the way, uh, this season in, I, I don't know. I had him in the newsletter towards the end of the, or the middle of the week. I forget their uh, last I checked plus 10 um, per hundred possessions and, and not, not a huge sample size, but also like significant enough that you have to pay attention to it. It's like over a hundred minutes. Um, oh, and sorry. That's with, that's with uh, Kemba off the floor. Yeah. yeah. And so. it's a chicken and an egg thing, right? Do you blame Kemba because of the fact that he's not good enough? Or do you blame Tibbs because he doesn't realize that Kemba's not good I, enough? And But he did. That's the thing. He did realize it wasn't good enough. And then he was kind of like, I don't want to say cajoled into playing him, but he eventually essentially had to because of COVID. And now we're back in the same situation that we were in previously. And like that's the thing. It's just, it's so hard to pick between the two of them because I feel like you could you could put them both in detention. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna co blame both of them in that. there. So you I'm go. gonna put both of them in detention. That's fine. Yeah. It took I, a while I, to get there, but but we finally got there. 
<laughs> I think Tibbs earned it this week. I think that's fine. Um, hold on. Now you got me curious. The, so yeah, ba- Randall Barrett quickly, 180 minutes this season. Um, 5.1 net rating, uh, 103.5 offense, which is actually terrible. 98.4 defense, which of course would be like the best in the league. Um, I don't know how many of those minutes Walker was on the floor for. I can't imagine he's on the floor for that many of them. Um, and they have a 500 record in those in those 30 games that lineup has been used. I'd like to see more of it. We'll see. Prediction time. Prediction time. Okay. Um, let's see if I can get it back. So, as we said this week, three games all on the road, all against good teams. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, that is on Tuesday. No, no, it is not on Tuesday. That is on Monday. That is the day that you are listening to this, probably. Um, at 7 p.m. Then on Wednesday, they are at Miami, at the Miami Heat. Uh, and that is our playback game of the week, uh, I see here, for all of our uh, patrons. Uh, shout out to all of you. And then Friday night against the defending world champion Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee. And then uh, the next half of the weekend off. And then the next time they play is uh, after that is against Sacramento. So you have the honor. My friend, I'm very curious to see which way you go with this. I am. But just before that, you said it was Randall, Barrett, and IQ on with Kemba off that you were curious about in terms of the numbers? Uh, yeah, that's the one I, I, I just didn't have time to look up on cleaning glass. So, Do you have it? Well, I, I have it on um, PBP stats. Oh, okay. And it's 41 minutes in total. So small sample size here. How is that but, so different from... Well, because okay. that's minutes versus possessions. That's why. No, oh, the... Yeah. Something, something's wonky. Anyway, what, what, what is it? It's a net rating of positive 7.3. It's 103.6 uh, on, uh, or sorry, 103.6 offensive rating and a 96.3 defensive rating. Okay. There you go. Again, well, worth trying, I, worth I, doing something. I, I, yeah, I would like to see it. Um, okay. So um, the direction I'm going with is I yeah. have really struggled with this because here's the thing if I go, with zero and three, then it just takes one lucky game. You're not going to go zero and three. I know you. You're not going to go zero and three. You're right. I'm not. I go towards the middle, so I'm going to go with one and two. Okay, so that's the only decision you had. Um, it, 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 which is to say, there was no decision. That was that was the that was the call. So, do I want to be Debbie Downer? Um, See, here's the thing. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Jinx. We both said the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think two and one is likely by any stretch, but when we saw the Knicks go into Milwaukee, I, I understand they were not fully staffed, but we saw them do it. I, I don't think they're going to lose all three games. I'm going to say that right now. I do not think they're going to lose all three games. I think they will win at least one of these games. So if I if I truly I, I I believe that they will win one of these games more than I believe any any other thing. So if that's the case, I have to take two and one. Yeah, the margin of error, as we've talked about. I don't know. I have a funny. I I have a funny feeling they're gonna watch. They lose by fucking thirty. <laughs> I have a funny feeling they're gonna show up for that Cavs game. Um. No Rubio. Yeah, no. I mean, the, the Cavs, we have a second, right? And then we're just going to do a quick producer's corner. The Cavs um, 
over the Cavs, by the way, still have the best net rating and point differential in the Eastern Conference, which is just ridiculous. Cavs are two two games back in first place, by the way. They're in fun. the uh, they're in really the fun East. to watch. They are really fun and they're like legitimately good. And like I first made my Darius Garland love known on like the first uh, awards Patreon episode that we did at the beginning of the season. Um, when I said I thought he should be the runaway favorite for most improved player. And there's not much that has happened since then to make me think that that, that was like a ridiculous take. Um, he's just, he's just really good. So they are, they won one, two, three, four, five games in a row, four of which were on the road. They beat Sacramento in Sacramento. They won in Utah by fucking 20. Uh, then in San Antonio, in Oklahoma City, they lost in Chicago. Oh, sorry. No, right, right, uh, sorry, I'm off track here. Then they won uh, against Brooklyn at home. They lost in Chicago. And then they, they're coming off um, a game on Saturday against Oklahoma City that they won at home by 13. So I don't know why I think that the Knicks are going to play well in this game, but I think the Knicks are going to play well in this game. All right. Two and one. Um, yeah, that is what it is. All right. Uh, we'll do a little, little producer's corner. Um, sure. We do not have a producer here to do producer's corner. However, um, we have to give a plug to our podcast cousin, Final Review. Um, one, because they are awesome and amazing, and they uh, put out um, a wonderful episode this week, which I am about 25 minutes into. It's on Do the Right Thing. Um, Spike Lee's uh, 1989 masterpiece, which is uh, I'm enjoying very much. And I'm particularly curious to listen to the rest of it because I have taught that film uh, several times. And I feel like I've probably watched that movie as a result of that more times than any other movie since I've been like a kid. Um, so check that out. But also one of the hosts of the show, Bernardo Zorowski, my buddy, it's his birthday coming up this week. And um, in honor of Oz, they are doing um, his favorite movie which is Before Midnight. Uh, so have you ever seen Before Midnight, Jeremy? I have not. Oh, my goodness. Do you know, are you aware of the of the Before, I don't know what the official name of it, the Before After trilogy? It's Before Midnight, then it's Before Sunset, then I think it's After, I'm going to get this wrong, I'm going to get yelled at, then I think it's After Midnight? Well, whatever. I don't know it. You're not from, okay. So, this is all from these. Those are all films from Richard Linklater, mm-hmm. uh, starring um, Ethan Hawke and uh, Julie Delpy. I think is how you pronounce her last name. Again, I apologize, Andrew, if I screwed this up. Um, so we will do producers' corner ourselves. Um, favorite Richard Richard Linklater films. Um, I'm not sure if you have one on the tip of your tongue. I'm happy to go first if you would like. I did. You know, I, I know Richard Linklater. I was trying to see what all of his work was. I've seen some of Days and Confused. What I saw was great. It's a popular one. I do. I did like Boyhood. You know, I thought it was a. I was expecting it to be, you know, very cool in the sense of, oh my god, they've followed him for these years, and and it was, but it didn't move me quite in that way. Okay. I kind of have to go with uh, School of Rock. Wow. Yeah. School of Rock. That's an upset. Mm-hmm. I love School of Rock. Can it's I just great. say School of Rock is a, is a wonderfully fun movie. I enjoy the hell out of that. I've seen it several times. Um, still, that's that's bold. I'll take it. That That is bold. Um, 
Hmm. <sighs> what do I want to do here? I'm going to go with one of the trio of movies that uh, you have never seen. It is, by the way, it is before midnight, before sunset, and then before sunrise. So it is the before trilogy. I got that right. So there's no after. I thought there was an after in there. There's no after. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to go before sunset. Yeah, I'm going to go before sunset. I think the I think it is my favorite of the three movies, although I would give strong consideration to before midnight, which is the stage of life that I am in right now with my wife. Um, we not that, to say that we are like that the couple in the film, but like we're of that age range or at least closer to that age range than the other age ranges. Still, I think the I think the before sunset of it all that's a magical movie. Can I can you can I just tell you you should spend you're in a happy relationship, right? Yes. Okay. You should spend a weekend with your better half, not me, your, your real better half. And you should watch all three of those films. They will change your life. Fair enough. I will, it's really, uh, they're really good. I will put them on the list. Yeah. This weekend we, have you seen, do you know station 11? I'm familiar with it. I have not watched yeah. a second of that program. Watch the first five of 10. It's very good, but okay. also kind of terrifying at the same time. So I don't even know what it's about. Is it like science fiction or something? Yeah. The basically it's sort of like the world that we're living in now, but just things get a lot worse, like a lot worse than what we're living in, in terms of uh, mutations and flu. But yeah, it's one of those things where you maybe don't want to watch it because of what's going on, but it's, it's nowhere near quite that level. So I got you. Yeah. All right. Um, well, shout out to Richard Linklater. Shout out to Bernardo Zorowski. Happy early birthday, buddy. Um, and uh, shout out to Andrew Claudio, who's going to be producing this after the fact. Uh, you are amazing. And uh, of course, shout out to you, Jeremy Cohen. Um, I think we did well today. Any last thoughts before we leave? I guess, should we offer some sort of words in the sense of if things do not go well this week? Oh, should we, we offer spend, some like a eulogy? Parting, should we eulogize the season before it, it's dead? Not so much eulogizing it, but maybe <laughs> some words of caution to live by should things not go the way that we as Knicks fans want it in terms of winning. Yeah, I'll, I'll offer something real quick. I, um, the hell, I love when my computer does that. Um, yeah, trust. Uh, I personally, this is what keeps me asleep at night gets me to sleep at night. I trust the front office. I, I don't trust Julius Randle as far as I can throw him. I'm not sure what RJ Barrett is going to be. I'm not sure what any of these young players are going to be. I don't know where we're going to pick in the draft. I don't know any of that stuff. I trust the front office and I trust the front office has their head in the right place. I think there's smart people there. Um, I think Brock Aller is very smart. I think he has Leon Rose's ear. I think they're good at evaluating talent. I think Walt Perrin is very good at his job. I think whatever happens the rest of the season, if the front office is honest and like open about where things are, no matter how bad things get, I still think the organization is in a pretty good place. Um, not to say that things can't go wrong, um, but I, even with this up and down season, mostly down season, I feel a lot better about this team than I did about teams of the past 
um, because of the people we have in charge. So I'll just say that. I think that's great. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that because I think you said it perfectly. The only thing I'll add is hopefully that entire thing is null and void because you won the week and uh, I'll be thrilled about it. You said that last week. And then I won. I think you won. <laughs> On that note, uh, thanks everybody for checking out uh, another episode of the Next Film School podcast. Don't forget, uh, if you like what we do here, feel free to uh, not only subscribe, if you're not already subscribed, but leave us a, a five-star rating, uh, drop a review, say some nice things. We appreciate it. Those things help us out. And uh, we will be back with another episode with more fun and games very soon. Peace out.